0: This Developing Story is brought to you by me, because I'm recording this. It's also brought to you by Block, because they pay for my salary. If you have any interest in learning how to code online with a mentor, um, send me an email at hello at me. Episode 33 of This Developing Story. So last week I um, did the Periscope chat on Thursday. Um, went... Okay, I think I had one uh, one person actually I was talking to um, back and forth um, on the Periscope chat. I um, wasn't really expecting too much from it, but um, it was quite the experience. Uh, actually, it turned out to prove not to be the best uh, format for um, connecting with uh, the listeners on the podcast. So I think I might try Blab um, in the future. It's a it's newer than Periscope, but it's been around for a while, and uh, it just has a better format for. Um, Talking to other people. So this episode is going to be a little different than in the past. Um, I'm not going to focus on my uh, my personal story and um, what happened to me in the last week. Um, I feel like that's getting a little tiring. But um, I am personally actually working on rewriting some JavaScript um, within the code base and found this podcast that I listened to very recently, um, on that subject matter, very enlightening. So what I'm going to do is actually play some clips from an uh, interview from the Descripted podcast, episode two. Um, Descripted podcast has been around for a while. I don't know much details about it. I kind of stumbled across it. And um, hopefully my insights, um, in addition to Brandon Hayes's insights, who's the being interviewed on this podcast, will um, be beneficial to somebody listening. So, in a nutshell, basically, uh, before I start playing some clips, Brandon Hayes—he is a front side, or he's a a developer at the Frontside uh, Consultancy. Um, it's based in Austin, Texas, um, and I guess their main goal is to—they uh, do a lot of Ember, but they also do some Rails and some other things. Um, but their main thing is um, having rich client experiences on the front end um, for web apps, and. Um, I guess they're uniquely positioned because they got into Ember very early, so they're very used to um, converting jQuery projects into um, a front-end JavaScript framework. And um, his approach, uh, he breaks it down in four steps. I'm only going to cover the, the first three. Um, but um, I highly recommend his talk. I'm going to link in the show notes. Um, but here's Brandon real quick.
1: Well, the first step of, of wrapping it, it's pretty simple. And this... St- this is true whether you're using React, uh Angular, Ember, you you take the code that's there and the first thing you do is you take this big old blob of code that does a bunch of stuff you don't understand mm. and that that you know all you know is that it, you know, like it takes this list of things and you click this button and and it changes the list and you end up with a, a list that's organized differently.
0: So basically what I'm getting from this I guess this short clip is that you can basically use any framework. I mean, you don't have to use Ember, you don't have to use Angular or whatever. You, there's gonna be a new framework down the road in the future. But I think the way every framework is going towards is be, being able to be uh, more nimble and more useful in larger scale projects. So. If there is a reason for you to switch things out, you won't be stuck um, into the, the knowledge and the logic of that framework. So with that being said, componentizing your your objects into directives or components, rather, um, is the best way to go if you're going to, if you want to be able to have a, a flexible um, and changeable um, architecture for your front-end framework. So that kind of took that a lot from me. Um, I took a lot from that. And um, hopefully, going to be doing more of that. It's something that I've already been doing, um, but this kind of this this definitely um, confirmed what my thoughts were on the process.
1: The the whole point of, of wrapping it is to take that all of that stuff, and you don't change the code at all, mm-hmm. but you put it inside uh, you put it inside an Ember component. In my case, uh, other people would put it inside a React component or an Angular directive, uh, and then just stuff it into the DOM. But now, the 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 Somebody else is responsible for putting this into the DOM. In my case, I, I put the the markup inside a Handlebars template. Uh, so now this is being put on the page by a framework. The only change is that it, that it's inside this what I call a code jail. Okay. So so the code goes into a code jail uh, that uh, we know if there's code inside this thing, there's still a mess uh, a mess in there.
0: So the second step is. Testing, so, like, once you have your framework in place and you have your components already laid out for you, um, testing is something that's not going to be that hard once you have stuff, like, componentized and you have your objects. And, um, yeah, so I highly recommend, like, going that that route next. Um, I know most people want to do TDD and test first, which technically you're still doing test first. You're just kind of cleaning up the code that you already have that isn't tested in a way that can be tested. So when you go to step one, and you're actually wrapping um, a component around the code that you're looking to either change or have tested. Um, you're basically just identifying what needs to be uh, encapsulated and just what you're, you're looking at. So um, yeah, highly recommend testing second after you wrap something into a component or a directive.
1: But testing has saved my sanity. And so if you're if you're not testing your JavaScript, uh, I wholeheartedly recommend uh, putting in the time and yak shaving necessary on your next, you know, either hobby project or client project uh, to get a good test framework up and running and to do some basic integration testing. You know, the DOM is in one state. Uh, I see this thing in this order and I do some stuff. I click a couple of things and now the DOM should be in this other state. Mm-hmm. It sounds really simple, Um in this case, you know it took me five or six hours maybe to get uh, the entire test coverage that I wanted to test this interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can, be, it can be kind of painful and frustrating. And so uh, my suggestion for people is to not give up because it, everything that comes after hinges on being able to test. So step two is test it. Uh, and once you have it all wrapped, it's, it's just really beautiful. So the third step is to identify the models uh, in there. Uh, and I, I usually lean on the server Uh, The server side MVC that you have, if you're using Django or or Rails or something, you'll usually have a models folder. And when you're passing data to and from the server, you're probably hitting an API endpoint uh, that's dealing with a resource that in most cases, certainly in Rails land, this is almost universally true. uh, It's probably tied to a resource that represents a model of some kind, but you're, you're getting JSON back from the server. And that JSON is probably under a namespace, and you look at that top-level namespace, and maybe it's post, maybe it's comment, maybe it's person, uh, maybe it's animated GIF. Uh, whatever that is, that's probably your model. And so and if you have multiple of those and they're related to each other, you probably have related models. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and it's, the reason it's really important to identify those uh, is is because most of these MVC frameworks are uh, allow you to kind of isolate the concept of this model.
0: What I got from this is any code base is basically approachable to implementing a JavaScript framework in. The place I worked at pr- previously, the block, um, was full of jQuery, and it almost sem- seemed impossible um, to add a framework into the app. It, um, it seemed like more like we should have... Uh, I guess deleted the app and kind of started over um, with either Ember or Angular mindset, um, and that was kind of like the resolution we came to. But I think that resolution that we had as far as that application was wrong. I think um, it definitely would have been obtainable to add in either. I think what we were looking at was actually Ember, so it would have been it would have been obtainable to add in the Ember. Um, but our approach towards the actual idea um, was was invalid. Um, I think we just were trying to. We thought maybe we could just inject it into certain places in the app. And, you know, maybe they've actually, um, they, they, maybe they've succeeded. I don't know. I haven't really been keeping in touch with that team and with their, their endeavors. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to reach out to me, let me know and give me an update. But I think if you can identify key pieces that you can inject a framework into, like install your framework and, wrap your jquery code or your javascript or whatever you have into a component into its own like folder structure um it, it you have a better chance of injecting um uh, uh whatever framework of choice you look into it so if you're just looking to switch from an angular to react or an ember to an angular or whatever um you have a better chance of doing that by componentizing stuff and i think um, i'm i'm partial to ember because um, they set you up real nicely to do that um, as long as you're Ember 2.0 and beyond, Uh, even like 1.8, if you started that late, you should be good. But um, to be able to um, separate your code and splice it up to be able to um, make it more maintainable, I guess, and more, I guess, forward thinking. So uh, hopefully you got something out of this this short um, talk. Um, I'm going to do my best to um, do a better job of um, analyzing other things, not just like other podcasts, but conference talks and um, um, other, other sorts of interviews and news articles. And uh, um, this won't be like an every week thing, um, but I'm just, I think it's going to be a nice little break um, to what I'm doing and focus more on what's going on in, in, in the industry. Just a reminder, I have a special project I've been working on. It's called MutualFun.io, M-U-T-U-A-L-F-U-N.io. If you need help with code, uh, Next Steps, check it out. And I could probably assist. MutualFun.io. So if I could just end off with a tip, uh, I ha- I've been messing around with a lot of Firebase Um for my iOS app, I had to implement core data. Um, actually, I didn't have to, but I had to save some chat messages. And the recommendation was for core data. And core data just seemed like so much for me to learn um, for something so simple. And I, I always wanted to use Firebase in an app. So rather than going down the core data path, which I'm going to be doing, at least not maybe for my next app, for maybe my final app um, while I'm going to the block course, Um I instead chose Firebase um, just because it's so simple to get up and running. I wasn't actually, I wasn't even aware that it was that simple, but it's like dead simple to get up and running. Um, it's a bit of a learning curve once I figured out how um, the data is stored and how to add new data. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you're using any sort of framework, um, Python or Rails or even uh, front end JavaScript stuff, there should be some sort of like a Firebase um, injection that you can use um, either like a library or a plugin. I used, um, a Cocoa to use Firebase and found it very useful. So, um, highly recommend checking that out. And that is it for this week. <music> Developingstory.link.